1: Hello and welcome back to Meet Cute, a podcast about dating and romance and love and everything that happens in the pursuit of all three. I'm author and journalist Rosemary McCabe and my book, a memoir about dating called This Is Not About You, details my own dating history from first love to first and current husband and everyone who came in between. In writing the book, I started to think about how many of us have had similar stories and Meet Cute is really what came out of my decision to find out what those stories are. My guest today is Stephanie Bonner, a California native who moved to New York at the age of 18 and, among other things, got to live out her sex-in-the-city dreams before falling in love and, a mere eight years later, getting married and moving with her husband to the Midwest. We'll talk about the worst dates and the best dates, why she thinks a New York City diner is one of the most romantic places on Earth, and how she ended up in Fort Wayne working as a social media foodie and influencer, even though the word itself gets a very bad rap.
2: I hate the fact that influencer feels negative because I feel like we all do turn to social media for guides on what to do. Yeah. I feel like even local tourism, you know, centers turn to influencers to help boost, you know, boost what the the city or town is doing. But I don't know what it is. There's something about it that that term has somehow turned into this negative thing.
1: But it shouldn't. I think it's because somehow getting paid to do something that you like doing seems dirty somehow, like seems right. dirty to other people that they're like, why should you get paid? Right, that's fair. For going out to eat. Right. And you're like, well, because you're here looking at my page, like that's how right. it works. But well, what about a food critic or
2: a movie critic? You know, all of these people, if you're a critic... You know, I'm sure there is someone who's going to be like, but you're not a critic. What do you know? And I'll tell you, I I don't know. I don't know what I know. (laughs) you know
1: what? Like, I think the difference between social media influencers and critics, when you're a social media influencer, your job isn't to tell people what's shit. It's just to show what what you would recommend. Yeah. So it is like there's a positive spin on it that I think people sometimes go, oh, well, like you only ever say everything's great. Right. But you're like, because I'm recommending, like, I'm not here to shit on anybody or to try and tear down someone's business. Right. I'm just here to tell you what I recommend. Right. I agree with that.
2: And also because, especially as someone I've been in food service for the majority of my life, I have gone to restaurants where I've had maybe a bad time, but I would never call people out for it because Mm. I also understand that things happen that are beyond our control. And, like, as someone who's waited tables, like, I've had bad days. Yeah, I yeah, maybe yeah wasn't, we're all human. Yeah, I wasn't the most bubbly version of myself, yeah. but I don't think that that means that the whole business itself is bad or yeah. that even that server or bartender or anyone is like, you know, bad at their job. People are human and have bad days.
1: Do you watch so. Vanderpump Rules? Okay. Because <laughs> I think some of those people are bad at their jobs.
2: I agree. Mm-hmm. But I don't watch it, so I feel like I can't say too much. But I did watch the reunion episode. I have two friends who are obsessed with it, and they forced me to watch the reunion
1: episode. Don't tell me anything, because I'm only on season okay. six. Oh, so then since, I won't. Since Scandaval happened, I started watching Okay. okay. Rose, because I yeah. have terrible FOMO. Yeah. And I wanted to know what was going on, but yeah. I'm, I'm a very thorough person, so I couldn't just go in at season 10, even though now I wish I had. Right, sure. But I've watched all seasons now up to yeah. six. Oh, yeah. Well, no spoilers here. But my first thought,
2: I was like, wait a minute. These people are famous for waiting tables? Because none of them actually seem like they know how to wait tables. (laughs) Like, they're servers and bartenders, right? Isn't that the whole point? I would think that's
1: fair. Yeah. Servers, bartenders, and they're one or two hosts.
2: Okay. But like, as I was watching it, I was just like, I'm not sure that I buy that these people have ever served or bartended before. (laughs) And I don't know. I mean, I know it's like, LA, and it's different, right? I guess, Mm -hmm. like, as a New York City bartender and
1: server, I'm like, you would never get away with it. Like, they feel like there's so much drama. I know. Now, to be fair, the restaurant is owned by Lisa Vanderpump of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills fame, I think. So she's obviously pitched the TV show, as far as I know, around her restaurant. So she's not going to fire someone for creating drama that's going to create ratings for her TV show.
2: Right. And also people go to... It's called Sir. Sir right? Yeah. People go there because of this to see
1: the people. Yeah, to yeah. See the, the stars.
2: So, but do you get waited on by these people? Like, do they make your drinks and bring your food out, or is it all
1: just? I think so, and I think some of them still work there, which I also find weird because I'm like, you're on this big Bravo show, right? After season three, are you not rich enough to stop working in Sir, That's- or is that part of the contract that it's like you can only be on the show if you if stay you're working st- in the restaurant? Still here? I have no idea. But yeah, there, there's
2: the DJ, right? Isn't there a DJ? There's
1: a DJ, yeah, yeah. James Kennedy.
2: Right, and he still works there, at least to okay. my knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, I think a friend of mine was filling me and I was like, Sheena still works there, but I'm actually not sure. But anyway. Right, okay, look, anyways, segue, yes. <laughs> ha- have you ever cheated on someone or been cheated on? Hmm. Yes and no.
2: Is that fair? I feel like there have been, like... What I would say are like emotional affairs, Mm -hmm. right? Which sometimes I'm like, oh, that could be a lot worse. But I've never been in a relationship and cheated on someone, nor have I been cheated on. But I like in the physical sense, but emotionally, I think so. But that's also, I think, in terms of like when you're in very long term relationships where it's like you ebb and flow so easily. So I, you know, I feel like it's one thing to kind of let your eyes wander and then maybe you're flirting with someone and then that flirting takes it a little bit more like, oh, I think I've developed a crush on you and maybe you have a crush on me too. And so now it's like not just like flirting in a harmless way. It's flirting in a like I'm being more intentional with my yeah, flirting. Yeah, it kind of
1: becomes a bit more it's like, like walking the fine line. You yeah, know I mean? exactly. So I've never acted on it. But
2: yes, I have found myself in more of like an emotional a fair situation or it's like be yeah, a very intentional flirting with someone and like seeking out their attention in that way and then
1: recognizing that it's bad and I shouldn't do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> but and when you look back on that now
0: right? yeah so if
1: you look back on a time that you were kind of emotionally cheating on somebody or like looking for something from somebody else that you weren't getting from your relationship yeah did you end up going back and like using that to strengthen your relationship or did that help you see you need to get out of your relationship you know uh, what I mean? strengthening the relationship. Oh, interesting.
2: And I say this only because now I feel like I've learned how to communicate better with a partner where I found that, oh, maybe I'm lacking something. And then I now have been able to be like, oh, I'm lacking something. I need to use that as something to ask for, right? Like how I need to like communicate with my partner and say, hey, this is sort of why this happened. Even in that instance, I felt like that kind of strengthened our relationship because I was with a partner and I stayed with that partner. But being able to be honest about why that happened. And I feel now like learning from that, you know, mistake, because I do think it's a mistake, especially if it's secretive and if you're lying to someone about it. But yes, now I feel like I'm able to use that and say, oh, I see that my like eyes are wandering and now I can use that as a way of what is it about this that I'm looking for? Yes. And can I ask for it in my current relationship? And will I receive that? And then that's sort of also the next step, right? Is if I'm going to get what I'm looking for, or if it's something that feels like off the table, then maybe that's a question of like. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was going to say that, Then maybe that then answers your question. Like, and also if you feel like you can't ask for it. Right. That also would have been an answer in itself. Right. Exactly.
2: I feel if you're, if you can't be honest and open in a relationship with what you want and what you need both ways, then it's not a good relationship.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think people feel like they can't be open and honest for a variety of reasons. So it might not just be coming from the partner. It might also be coming from your own background and your own upbringing and your own thoughts around sexuality and shame and relationships. But yeah, basically, this just feeds back to my belief that everybody should be in therapy. Oh, 100%. This is what we would all learn. Although I'm not in therapy right now, so I'm a hypocrite. I guess I'm not either,
2: but I was.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was and I
2: have been in therapy. But I agree I mean, it's on top of – I think you're right in terms of, like, how you grew up and, like, what sort of background you grew up in, but also just what society says is acceptable behavior and what isn't acceptable. I think the more we're able to communicate and be open with – I mean, yes, a romantic partner, but also with friends, just with family, with everyone where you you feel like you don't have to hide parts of yourself for approval or to be seen a certain way, I think – you know, the more honest and open you can be, the better your relationships will be with everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah, including yourself. Including okay. yourself, absolutely. Yeah, but it's hard. Um, so you grew up in California. I did. Every time I hear somebody saying they're from anywhere, right, I immediately go, TV, like, what's from TV? So I'm imagining you went to a school just like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm so glad you said Buffy the Vampire Slayer, because that's my favorite show. <laughs> oh, listen, it's, I actually was thinking the other day, I was like, I'm doing another rewatch. Oh, I've watched me the too. whole seven seasons about six times, and I'm like, I haven't watched them in a while. Yeah. So, like, how different was your experience to Sunnydale? Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't slay vampires or demons. Um, there wasn't
2: a cool librarian who... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, I didn't have a Giles in my life. You know, I actually feel like Sunnydale's not a terrible description of where I grew up, just in terms of its sort of small. I grew up in a small town in California. Um, I grew up in what I would consider to be a very high school oriented town
1: in California. Maybe a little Friday Night Lights. I was just about to say, was was football a bit, I'm feeling football vibes now. Football it was a big, okay. was a big thing. But yeah, I
2: I don't know. I mean, I guess it, it did have a very all-American, you know. Small
1: town life. Were you a cheerleader? No. Oh, I feel like you're, you're very tall. I um, think you'd be
2: a good cheerleader. I was so not cool in high school. I was such a nerd. Like, did you did you have nerd. to be cool to be a
1: cheerleader? Because I, I, I mean, I also believe that firmly, right? But I, I, is that based on reality? I think so. You at least
2: had to be able to stand in front of the whole high school and... To be confident. You know, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. confidence was it. And I did not have any of that in high school. Okay. So, I, which I guess, again, we could say... Might be a, a Buffy. I might have. Well, no, I was more of a Willow. I was I'd just about was to say. Willow. I was like,
1: I think, feel like Buffy's pretty confident. Yeah,
2: I was definitely more of a Willow. But you weren't a Cordelia. I was not a Cordelia. But can we all, like, Cordelia is kind oh, of I love her. the best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't a Cordelia. Yeah. Wishing to be a Cordelia, definitely. Honestly, even giving Willow, like, I wasn't, like, I could say I was even a little bit Xandery. Like I was. Oh yeah, okay. I was a little bit like trying to be, you know, something. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't quite sure where I fit in. So okay.
1: Did you date at all in high school? Um. Yes. What was that
2: like for you? Okay, so to you know, also I'm very tall, so I was very tall in high school. So how tall are you now? I'm six feet tall. Okay. I was six feet tall in high school.
1: Okay. I was very tall.
2: So I found that dating felt weird, and like, I you know six feet tall and like really like not coming into my own you know and again in a confident way having like acne and bad skin and I just didn't know who I was or what to yeah. do. I mean, I eventually like I think it was when I was around sixteen when I started like dating or starting to also feel like I found a little bit more confidence in myself. Like, yeah. I could go back in time and just, like, tell my 16-year-old self to just, like, get over it, like, you're fine. Yeah.
1: You're fine.
2: <laughs> so go for it. Just go for it.
1: I don't think it would ever work, though. I don't think so either. But I also
2: feel like I'm more confident now because of that. Like, I think because I had – I went through an awkward phase. And also I feel like I learned from that in a way where I didn't like feeling so – insecure that i felt like i had to sort of start building my own con- like i had to build my own confidence yeah so you kind of worked your way out of that feeling yeah yeah and i feel now i feel like a very confident person
1: um how, but how and, terrible must it have been for people to peak in high school oh my gosh right i think about that all the time
2: mm. where like i left you know i moved to new york when i was 18 so oh wow
1: yeah I was like, bye. <laughs> you were, now I'm imagining, your Piper Parabo and Coyote Ugly. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: I had a friend who worked at the Coyote Ugly. Oh, did you? Yeah, and I was like, maybe I could do that. And then I, I wasn't quite,
1: I wasn't quite the right fit for a Coyote Ugly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it looked like great fun in the movie. Yeah. But I feel like in real life, there'd be a lot more groping.
2: Oh, yeah. And plus... Uh, Again, being tall. I've
1: danced on a few bars. It's not easy. Oh, yeah, no. You hit your head. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a danger. Yeah. So who was the first person that you dated in a kind of a serious way that you felt like, even if you're looking back now, you're like, maybe I wasn't in love, but you felt like you were in love?
2: I think there was someone. So I did a lot of theater in, in high school, not in my high school but like outside like then like a community theater and there was definitely someone there that I was like 16 and in like summer camp, you know it was like our theater camp and I really felt I was like, oh yeah, this is the this is the one. And then huge crush and, and we stayed really close like we did scenes together and I was like, oh my gosh, we're in love. <laughs> and I really, uh, felt like, you know, it was like a summer thing. And then we, you know, went back to school and then we came back again the next summer to do like the summer camp. And I really thought that this was going to be the moment. And it turned out that he had a thing for my friend. (laughs) (gasps) I know. Oh no. I was devastated, but I was, I was like, okay, I'm okay. I can do this. And so I set the two of them up. (gasps) Yeah, I did. I set the two of them up because she liked him too. Oh, I know. Did she know about your feelings? No. Okay. No, she didn't know. So she was another like theater camp friend. I had told like my good friends but outside of the situation. Yes, yeah. But we were – From your other world. From my other world. And then I was just like I was so, so devastated. But I did set them up. And um, it didn't work out for the two oh, of them. Oh, I was about them. to say, are they married now? I know. Wouldn't that be a great story? Yeah, if, they're married. They love each other. You know, <laughs> if, if this was in Fort Wayne, they'd be married. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it was not the case. Yeah, it was okay. not the case. They did not live happily ever after with each other. So then I moved, but I came back. It was like a, I came back for the summer. And then he was there back in town for the summer, too. And we came together. We both realized that we had feelings for each other. And I was like this is great. Like we did it. But then I moved back to New York and he went off to he's a doctor or something and like lives in California still. So
1: (laughs) I mean, you could be married to a doctor in California. I could
2: be married to a doctor in California. But I was like, Nope, I'm out. I'm going the
1: New York route. (laughs) And like, was it just so I mean, the way you say it there, it sounds very easy. But was it like a torrid? like I'm going to New York and you're staying here we have to break up? Or did did it just kind of run its course over that summer?
2: It kind of ran its course. I mean, we stayed friends for a while. I felt like at the time, there was that... What was that song? The Hey There Delilah oh that gosh. had just come out. Oh, yeah. That and was I, a great
1: breakup song. Yeah.
2: And that song had just come out. And, like, it was a whole thing. And I feel like he would, like... He, like, played it for me. And I like, would, like, kind of, like... You know, and I was just, like... It felt so dramatic at the time. Yeah. But it also, like, because maybe I'm an actor and a theater kid and a drama kid, I was, like this is a great breakup. I'm going to remember. this, <laughs> And you do. I do. I do. But it was very funny. It felt very uh, in the time. I was just sort of like, this is supposed to happen. I'm supposed to <laughs> I'm supposed to go to New York City and,
1: you know, we'll never see each other again. You know, it was still a time of like Facebook. like. But I mean, also, I would like to point out so to any of my Irish listeners, let's just remember America is so fucking big in a way yeah. that I just could not grasp before I moved here. So, like, you can drive from one side of Ireland to the other in about three hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, yeah. when I moved here and people would be going, oh, yeah, it'll take 15 hours to drive there. And I'd be like, sorry, surely you mean it takes 15 hours to drive, like, to the very bottom of South America. You know what I mean? am like, what right. are you talking about? But it's right. just the vastness of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's fair. Like so, so even though you're in the same country, like part of me is like, you're in the same country, but actually California to New York is
2: yeah, no it's small 3,000 miles away. Something like that. That's too many miles. It's too many miles. It's too many miles for
1: a relationship to last. So <laughs> when you went to New York, did you start dating in New York immediately or were you busy? Like, were you concentrating on your... I was still,
2: I felt like, in that weird, awkward... Phase and I didn't really know. So I'd never been to New York before when I moved there. Oh, wow. I just got into an acting school and I was like, I'm going to go to New York. And so it was definitely that first year was such a struggle because it was so hard to just make friends. Mm. And I was also 18 and everyone that I was in school with was like 21 and older. And so they would all go to bars. Oh, of course. You know, yes. and I couldn't get in. And so I would sort of like, you know, there would be a couple of occasions where people like, come out, like, who cares? And then I would try to, like, sneak in, and I would get
1: caught, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going like, home. it's so awkward and embarrassing when that happens. Yeah, well.
2: so I was like, oh, then I would just go home, and I felt like that first year was really hard, just in terms of, like, making friends. Now, I had a job as well, so I was in school, and I had a job, and that's where I finally started to make friends who were more my age, and then, because uh, I started... Also bartending at 19. So like waiting tables at 18 and bartending at 19. How
1: do you bartend at 19 if you can't drink? It's
2: legal in New York. It is it's legal. 19 to pour in New York. Yeah. That's or great. at the time it, seems it was weird. I know. Because people would ask me like what my favorite cocktail was. And I was like, well, I don't know. A margarita.
1: <laughs> and like, so you're basically working at a bar that you couldn't get into. Correct.
2: Yeah. It's so weird. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really bizarre.
2: But uh-huh. I start yeah, started waiting tables at 18, bartending at 19. And then finally, when I turned 21, that's when I felt like all of a sudden it felt more, you know, I had like the weird, like, you know, uh, I don't want to say like office dating, you know, but it's like when you're kind of hanging out with coworkers, but it's still a little bit like awkward. So it took me, it took me some time to like get into my sex in the city vibe, you know? (laughs) But
1: did you get into your sex in the city vibe? I did. I did. Tell Tell me everything. Tell me everything. I would say my 20s were definitely like...
2: You know, I was 20 and living in New York City. Like I went out and I was a bartender. So I felt like there's like a a vibe within other industry workers. Right. So it's like we would all have like the inside scoop on like the best new like bars to check out or the best new restaurants. And, you know, we would all we all kind of knew each other in the like New York City food and drink scene. This is back to Vanderpump vibes. So, yeah, we're yeah. I know the
1: scene well from my watching. (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely getting in the Vanderpump.
2: (laughs) Vanderpump rules life. But yeah, that was it. So it was just like we were always going out, meeting people. I would say dating in New York is a very weird thing because in the same way that like, you know, New York is a very small place, like the city itself. But because we're all – everyone lives all over the place and like no one has a car, everyone travels by train, I would say like everything feels like a long distance relationship. So if oh, you don't live in the same borough, if you don't live in the same neighborhood, the odds of it really working out seem very slim because people don't want to travel to like hang out with you. That's
1: interesting. I mean, that's um, just
2: what people told me.
1: <laughs> I feel like from the outside looking in, it feels a little bit like New York dating is kind of businesslike in the sense of like, I'm looking for this, this, this. And you go on a date and somebody says something and you're like, oh, no, actually, you're not it. Right. You know what I mean? Like it feels a bit cutthroat. Yeah, yeah. I think that's true. I think depending on what people are looking
2: for, right? At the time, I wasn't looking for anything serious at all. I was like kind of determined to be the like Samantha of the story. You know, I was like, I'm just here. Like I'm focusing on my career. I'm not interested in really dating anybody. At the same time, like online dating wasn't a thing yet. So it's not like it was just meeting people either at my bar or at other places that I was hanging out like that's sort of how I still continue to meet people but I would say like if you met someone that you maybe connected with or there was more of a spark I would be interested in like going out on another date but yeah I definitely i that I that only happened a couple of times where I was like there were a couple people I met where I like dated them until it fizzled out yeah until um, until I met my husband
1: I want to talk about your husband, but let's backtrack a second. Yeah. Did you go on any really terrible dates? Oh, yeah. Okay, tell me. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I met this
2: guy (laughs) who I, it was my friend. She got married. And so she had like a kind of an engagement party at one of our, one of the bars that like we worked at. And this guy was there. And so, like, We had met, but it was brief. And I remember I was like, I kind of thought we, like, had, like, a thing. Like, it felt like there was a spark. There was something there. And so I asked her. I was like, hey, do you think you could set us up? Because he left. Something happened. Like, we just didn't, like, cross paths again through the party. And so I asked her for his information. And so – or to just, you know, see, like, can you, like, check out the vibe? Yeah. Like, you know, was he feeling it too? So then he texts me. And was like, hey, like, I'm interested in, you know, hanging out. Like, do you want to go on a date? And I was like, amazing. Let's do it. So we go out. We meet up at this bar in the East Village. And I remember I walked in. I was there first. And I grabbed a drink. And then he walks in and is drunk and strolls oh. up to the bar. And then – uh, you know, orders a drink and says, do you want to do a shot? And I was like, whatever, sure, let's do a shot. So he orders two shots, his drink, and then does the pointy thing to the bartender over my head that says, I'll take care of the tab. That says you'll take care? That I will take care of, like me, yeah, me. Like he put his hand over my head pointing at me to signal to the bartender that I've got the tab. She's getting it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so I like, you know, paid for that round. And I was like, that's ridiculous. So then we like did the shot, we had the drink and he was a very attractive guy. So, but he was drunk. And then he was like, we, you know, we had like a little date. It wasn't great. He was not a good conversationalist. There was really nothing going on. He invites me back to his place. And I was just like, you know what? Sure. Why not? This could be fun. Let's see what happens. Yeah.
1: You're hot. Exactly. I mean, it could be we, like a fun, slightly drunk time. Right, you know. you know, I was like, it was it was good. It was okay. It
2: was enough. Like, I go back to his place. It is a mess. There is there are takeout containers everywhere. His bed is like not made. There's just laundry piling up everywhere. I walked in and
1: I was like... I'm imagining you walking in and him being like, right, she'll take care of this.
2: Pretty much. Yeah, I know. He was like, hey, babe, you want to like clean up real quick? And I was like, you know, I was like, I'm so sorry. I just, I couldn't even come up with a good excuse. I think I just said no. And I was like, goodbye. And I was like, I'm out. I walked in, walked right back out. I was like, I am not interested in this. And that's when I realized that this it, blind dating, because I would call it more of like a blind date. Cause Yeah. not you just met him fleetingly. Yeah, Exactly. And so I was just like, I don't think this is a thing. That's why when online dating became a thing, I was very against it because I just was like, no, like I want if I, I'm going to go on a date with someone, I need more context. Yeah. I need more yeah. information. Then again, I think a quick conversation you have like because this was so fast like the kind of preamble to the date like it was just exchanging names and like how we know the bride and groom and that was it and I really could go back in time and be like you know what ask more
1: questions ask do you do laundry (laughs) (laughs) do you know how to clean your apartment (laughs) did you ever hear from him again no never And did your friend then follow up and ask you how to gone? Or Yeah,
2: she did. And she said that he said he had a really great time. And I was like, oh, did he? (laughs) Because I didn't. (laughs) But I guess he had spoken to her, asked if I had asked about him. And I was like, you just
1: tell him it's not going to happen. But, you know, thank you. But no. I just, men and women... You know what? It's not even that men and women are different. It's that men get away with things that women don't. That I feel like as a woman, you would never invite someone home. You know, the whole thing that you're like, oh my God, I can't invite him home because I'm wearing my big knickers. Yeah. Whereas he's like, my house is a shithole and I can still invite her home. Right. The bar is truly on the floor for men. Right. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: Because even, okay, well, to be fair, I have invited someone home where I knew my apartment was a little bit of a mess. And I remember I would make them wait outside and like clean up a little bit. While you did the like running
1: around. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
2: exactly. Because I think that's also the polite thing to do.
1: You know? 100%. Like if you're
2: coming over, like if we meet and it's, Whatever we're having a good time, and I'm gonna bring you home. I'm gonna clean up before I just like let you come in.
1: Yeah, although I'm now suddenly going, God, my downstairs is very messy now, and you just came into my house. I know it's not a <laughs> date, so it's different. But I'm suddenly like, maybe I should have picked up those Corey Carson toys nah, before you came in. Unnecessary. What was the what was the best date you ever went on in New York City? Hmm, I would say
2: there have been a couple, and I think like. The first date I went on with my husband, I actually find to be one of the top dates because we were friends ahead of time. We worked together. So we also had what I felt are very romantic New York moments where it was like he would sort of he closed the bar and then, like, we would grab, like, coffee in the morning at a diner. Because, like, bars
1: close at 4 in the morning. Oh, my God. This is just like Coyote Ugly. It was <laughs> for to the diner to wind down. I know.
2: <laughs> it's And it's so wet because you don't find a lot of diners in New York anymore, which is so sad because they're so romantic. I yeah. find diners to be just absolutely romantic. But, yeah, like, we would get off work. Either we were working together. And so we would both get off work at, like, 5 in the morning. And then we would go grab coffee and breakfast. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, there was a couple diners. I lived on the Upper West Side at the time, which is where the bar was. And he lived in Brooklyn. So the long distance relationship was real. But like we would go to this diner. There was was on 100th Street, 100th and Broadway. And it was like Metro Diner. And then I lived on 110, and that's where, like, the very famous Tom's Diner is. Or it's, like, you know, the song, that song's about it, and it's the Seinfeld Diner.
1: Okay, yeah. So
2: we would go to that diner a lot, too, which looks nothing like the Seinfeld Diner, just the outside. Okay. But uh, we would go to that diner. And I just found, like, you know, it's so silly, but, like, for the most part, it's just so romantic. Like, it felt very special, like – the sun's coming up and we're just having coffee and like eating eggs and Mm. like it felt and sometimes you know if if they started to know us they would like serve us drinks so (laughs) like we would be able to like ask for a few beers afterwards and they'd be fine with it so I would say like those very first
1: dates I say that in like kind of air quotes but dates that we went on yeah but like hanging out one-on-one even if you weren't calling it a date yeah yeah like it felt very special
2: and very romantic And to me, it just feels very much of like what New York is, like these little moments of, you know.
1: Serendipity. Serendipity,
2: yeah. And then the other kind of like fun dates that I can think of are just, again, these like sort of New York moments where it's like pulling into a bar and, you know, meeting someone that you like spark with and you have chemistry with and then just like spending the whole night like kind of running around the city. So I didn't have like too many of those like, because uh, I'm thinking of like first dates. There was like one first date that I went on where I was like, oh, this feels very like New York. This is a very New York moment. Yeah. So, where it's like actually getting to know someone over drinks and like knowing that like you want to keep hanging out. So, you kind of like, you've maybe like exhausted your time at this one spot, but you're going to find another place to go. And then, like, you know, finding a little like speakeasy that has live music, like all of these things.
1: Very New York. Very New York. Very New York. And what was it, do you think, about your husband that made you, I mean, for want of a better term, like, keep going back for more? Like, in those early days, what was it that you were like, oh, it really... I think because it felt really easy. And I think that's the
2: difference, too, and like, the New York dating is very... People have to put a lot more work into it. I was going to say high stress. Like, yeah, yeah. It's high yeah. stress. And I felt like the first time we even met, like, we just hit it off. Like, we just kind of became friends. And then when we started dating, it just felt really easy where it didn't feel like there was any need to like, you know, how you have like your dating persona. Yes. yeah. You know, like yeah. I'm going to be the perfect version of myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you will fall in love with me. I didn't feel like there was any need for but that. But I would like to point out you also couldn't have done that because you knew him already from work. So, like, right. you know, if you had suddenly turned up to hang out with him and been like, hi, like he'd be like, what the fuck what? is happening? Yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. And I think that was also part of
2: it. We knew enough about each other that it didn't feel like there was any sort of like high stress going into like a date. I think when we went on our very first actual date, because I can remember it so well, I remember being absolutely
1: nervous. I was just about to say, I'd say you were really nervous, because, but, yeah. but that's a scary moment, right? Moving something from, especially if it's a good thing, moving yeah. something from a friendship to maybe something more, yeah. is really scary. Right. Like when it was like the kind of, okay, we're putting the label
2: date on -hmm. this. And I almost blew it with him the very first, the first time I invited him to hang out with like a group of friends. It was a whole situation and he loves to tell the story. So I feel like I can tell it now. (laughs) But like we, we went out and like he, he kind of ignored me because he didn't know I had like officially asked him out in like a dating capacity and I remember I had been drinking. It was a friend's birthday. I'm sure this is very like Bravo drama. This would be on Vanderpump yes, for uh, sure.
1: Uh, when I tell you that flash, I was like, I just, this is just like the party that Jackson Britney had last night <laughs> on the episode that I watched.
2: <laughs> exactly. I was like, this would totally be it. This would make the cut on the Vanderpump uh, reel. But yeah, he, he showed up and then he was like talking to like, you know, a friend of mine who's a friend, a mutual friend of both of ours and like, but I was just like, you're not paying attention to me. Like I invited you here. You showed up with someone else. I very much, uh, I, I, I yelled at him. And then the bartender who, again, someone that we knew was just like, you got to get it together or you're going to have to leave. And I was like, you know what? I know I should go. I was like, I've been overserved. <laughs> I'm going to leave. And I'm like crying and it's a whole mess. And I walk out and I get in a cab and He's sort of like he like tries to stop me. He's like, "Do you want to talk about what's happening?" And I was like, "No, like this is your fault." And I like fall into the cab, a poor cab driver. <laughs> and then like I'm driving away, and I realize that I was an idiot, you know. And I text him, and I was like, "I'm really sorry. Like that was you know dramatic." And and then he's like, "It's okay." He's like, "Just get home safe. Like sleep well." I wake up the next morning, and I'm like, "Oh wow." Did I blow it? So I text him again. I was just like, you know, I apologize for last night. I'm really sorry. I am not that person. I, you know, I was, I had
1: been drinking. And... Who among us hasn't been like drunk and emotional? It's true. In a disproportionate way. Yeah. Several times in our lives. Exactly.
2: Right? And I had some like family stuff I was dealing with. So it was just like my, like emotions were already heightened. Yeah. And then I took it out on him and I kind of expected him to just be like, you know, okay, cool, no problem. But then he, you know, responded and was just sort of like, it's okay. He was like, do you want to try that again? Now that I know it was supposed to be a date. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, do you want to go out with me? And then he was like, yes, I do. <laughs> so then like, I definitely was someone who assumed a lot. And I felt like I kind of just assumed, oh, well, if I ask you to hang out with me, then it's a date, you know? Yeah. And I felt like he was sort of like, no, we were Friends and we had hung out and like all of these
1: things, but like we didn't put the official, like, I'm coming here to see you and like, yes, yeah, versus we're hanging out with our mutual friends and it's casual and I, you know, we're not, yeah, together, together, exactly, tonight, yeah, yeah, so, but yeah, then it was like we, we finally
2: went on our real date, but yeah, I was so nervous. You
1: poor thing. There's nothing worse than the morning after when you wake up when you've been so drunk that you have been ridiculous or Mm -hmm. like begging. Or screaming at someone. Like, there's just that feeling of waking yeah. up and going, not only the, like, what's in my mouth, and oh, then also yeah. going, what did I do?
2: Oh, yeah. And I was, I woke up late for work. Or oh. I was, I showed up on time, but, you know, I, like, slept through my alarm. And so I woke up and had to run out. I, like was still wearing the dress from the night before. I mean, total, you know... Nightmare. Yeah, a total nightmare. nightmare. And then I just, like, threw everything together. I'm on the train, on my way to work, and that's when I'm texting because I feel like I'm an idiot. And so, yeah, we've. I know we've all been there, but it's so nice to, like, not do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, now I feel like we do it in different capacities because now it's like, you know, I might still have to, like, apologize, but, like, it's in person to my husband. or I was like, oh, yeah. sorry that I was... Yeah. I had one too many
1: and I... Yeah, and I also feel when you're married, I mean... Maybe some people don't feel this, but I'm like, you can't leave over that. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, we have a stupid fight and I act ridiculous and I scream at you and I'm dramatic about something. I'm like, that's not what we're getting divorced over. So you just better right. put up with it and I'll apologize tomorrow.
2: Right. Yeah. We definitely, we do that. I feel like there's a lot of uh, needing to... It's like the, they say like the don't go to bed angry thing, but sometimes it's like, I want to go to bed and just like wake up with like a clear head. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I feel like usually I
1: can... Also, you know, drunken apologies don't really mean anything. So I also think there's no proper response to a drunken apology because if I am drunk and I'm apologizing, I'm like, sorry, sorry, I'm really sorry. Are you still, you're still annoyed with me? You know, it's like no matter what the person says. And if they say, it's okay, you're like, you think I'm drunk, right?
2: And I am that person so much where it's like, I've, I've hopefully have outgrown this, but you know, every now and then, like, There'd be times when we would go to, like, Atlantic City for, like, a friend's birthday and, like, you know. And when you're in a casino, it's, like, a Mm -hmm. (laughs) free-for-all. Or, like, New Orleans. Just places where the drinking is kind of just part of the the experience. And so I have had some of those drunken moments where, you know, you're just sort of, like, I don't want to say begging, but I'm like, oh, you're just mad at me because I'm drunk. And, like... And I, so it's like, what do you? How do you tell a drunk person that? Like, no, I'm mad at you because you're being an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You're drunk, so, and yeah, also, and also being stupid. So, how long were you and your husband together when you got engaged or got married? We were together for eight years before we got engaged. We got engaged in 2020. So this is very un-Midwest. I mean, like, I know you're not from the Midwest, but right. he is, right? He is. Yeah, he's from he's from Fort Wayne. I think we we're both
2: we, I, marriage was never something I cared about. I never really anticipated getting married or at least it was never on my radar. It was never a priority. I didn't think about it ever. And even when we were together, I feel like my husband would kind of say that to me. He would sort of bring up that idea of like marriage, not like in a way of like proposing, but like would kind of bring up how weird it was that I never brought it up because he, you know, had been in relationships for a shorter amount of time where it was a conversation, yes, you know? yeah. And, and it just never really occurred to me. And it wasn't until, I think it was 2020 when it was, we'd, we had gone through the pandemic. I mean, I know we never really went through the pandemic, but it was like we had been in lockdown. Lockdown yeah. had kind of ended. And it uh, occurred to me that, oh, I really enjoyed that time with you. And we'd already been together for eight years. And I but so many people I know that like were living in those close quarters with someone. That was it, right? That was kind yeah. of it where it was the deal breaker or it really made you know. Yeah. And that's when it like occurred to me, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I think I could do this. Like I could I could see this life with you. Yeah. And and even the like and, and I think that was really where so I finally brought it up. That's kind of when I was just like, okay, you know the whole marriage thing? I think I'm interested. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then that December, we got engaged in December of 2020.
1: And did he propose or did you propose or did you just decide?
2: He proposed. So I had started, you know, I say dropping the hints. They weren't hints. Like I was like, this is the ring that I would like. I had brought it up and not in a way
1: that I knew he was going to propose because he hadn't made it clear what he was thinking. No, or but also just, you've been together eight years. You know yeah. that he's interested in getting married. You've now told him you're interested in getting married. Yeah. There's no point in like beating around the bush. Well, that was the you thing. Know. I actually
2: wasn't sure if he was interested in getting married. Oh.
1: Because he had brought it up in a way that said that other women
2: in his, that he had been with, had they had talked about it. Yeah. Where, because I never brought it up, I also felt like, I wasn't sure if he wanted to get married. Maybe that was kind of the thing where it was like, we worked so well together because neither of us wanted to get married. And so when I brought it up, he was kind of like, okay, cool. And I was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. And so I wasn't sure if he wanted to get married or not. So then I felt like I, when I was sort of showing, like this is the ring that I would like, and I feel like we could get married here and kind of dropping those hints not subtly at all, just like really bringing them up in conversation. He still didn't really give me a, okay, cool. So I just was like, I don't know. And I remember telling my best friend, I was like, I'm not sure he wants to get married. And now I'm in a place where I think I do. And I don't know what I'm supposed to, how I'm supposed to react to this. And do I need to ask? Do I need to propose to him? Like what's, I didn't know the vibe. I I couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I kind of gave up. So that was probably like June of 2020. And so I think around like the end of summer, I kind of gave up on it. I was like, whatever. Okay. Like it's not happening. That's fine. And then it was in December and I really should have seen it coming because my best friend that I actually went to high school with also lived in New York and we were neighbors and New York was going on lockdown again, or they were closing all indoor dining. Oh yes, and so a lot of the spots. So my husband runs a bunch of bars in Brooklyn, and uh, one of the spots that we would always go to, they were going to close, just close down while indoor dining was closed because it was December, it was cold, of course, yeah, yeah. And so there was, we weren't going to, they weren't going to make people wait tables and bartend outside. So <laughs> I was like, hey, like, do you want to go to Fourth, um, you know, to celebrate like the kind of last hurrah? And he was like, you know, I can go out for maybe one, but I have an early morning. Like, I probably can't stay out too late. And I was like, that is something you have never said to me ever. And I was like, okay, that's that's fine. We can just go and have one and then go home. Corey had spoken to him and was like, hey, by the way, like, I'm proposing to her tonight. So you have to get her back to the house. So we're walking back and we're neighbors. So we had the one drink. We're walking back. And my friend, he was like, you know what, I'll come over. Let's grab like a six-pack on the way home and then we'll we'll just go chill at your house. And I was like, okay, that sounds fine. So we do, we go there, we go outside. His my husband's like best friend is there. And we, who came over a lot because our dogs are friends. And so <laughs>
1: okay, I know. Okay, that's adorable. I know.
2: Our dogs are best friends. <laughs> so he would come over a lot. And it just seemed normal. Like everything at the time seemed really normal. And we're sitting in the yard and it's oddly warm for December and we're having a couple of drinks. And then I see my friend turn his phone in a way that looked like he was watching something on his phone. And then I saw my husband's friend do the same thing. And I was like, what are y'all watching? Because my husband had kind of moved his phone, you know, to that like way as well. And horizontally I guess but I was just like what's everyone watching and then he like grabbed he was like hey can I talk to you for a second and I was like oh my gosh I'm in trouble I was like I don't know what I did I was like I didn't stay out late (laughs) I was like what did I do and so but he pulled me back and then started talking to me and that's when I realized oh he's proposing to me and they were filming and they were filming it
1: yeah that's very cute it was very sweet and it's very nice that your friends were there yeah it was
2: it was really nice it was very nice to have them there And, you know, yeah, it was very sweet. So it was just like a cute little Brooklyn backyard proposal with just, you know, us and our close friends and our dogs, of course.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, who else would you want? Exactly. So so you haven't been married that long then? No. Uh, We got married in September. So not even a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And do you think, like, has anything changed since you got married? Do you think? No. Does it even feel, like, does it feel different? No. My sister and I... Well, she says, and now I say because she says, because I just say everything she says. But (laughs) she was basically like, when you get married, it just gets she was like, obviously it's obviously it's lovely and there are loads of great things about it. But she was like, part of it just gets really boring. She's like, you can't even have exciting fights anymore because the threat of somebody walking out is just gone. Yeah. Like we're married now. There's nowhere to go. That's fair. I felt like
2: I, you know, when we first got married, it didn't feel because we'd been together for so long, too. Where, and, but also I'm like, we lived in New York. So I always felt like there was always something to do. And like, you know, we, there was plenty of stuff to go out. I really did. When we moved to the Midwest, it was one of the things that I was kind of worried about. I was
1: just about to say, you got Um, married and moved to the Midwest in the space of three months. That's a lot.
2: Yeah. And it was the one thing that I worried about where I was like, am I going to get boring? Like, am I going to get boring? Because, you know, I felt like we'd always, you know, we lived in New York, we lived in an apartment, we did this, we ran bars. Like, I was really worried. I was like, we're gonna go buy a house and live in the Midwest. And what are we gonna do? And it felt very much like I was worried. I was definitely worried that there was going to be a feeling of getting boring.
1: Yeah. And that it felt, I mean, the way you're describing it, it almost sounds kind of like a retirement. That it's like, well, we did our time in New York and now we're retiring to the country. Right. And that's like what most people want,
2: (laughs) you know? And I felt like that's kind of the story. And I think it's also, I feel like a lot of our friends too, and they're like, oh, it makes sense. Like you got married, you're going to move. Uh, to like the suburbs and you're going to get a house and you're going to have children. And I was like, Whoa, cause I don't want kids. And that's been kind of very clear to both of us is that we're not interested in having kids. And so it did kind of like, I was like, yeah, that's why people move to these larger spaces. Right. Yeah. They want yeah. space to raise a family. And that's where I was just like, but I don't want to do that. So I'm like, this is a very, it was a very strange uh moving like, experience, because it definitely felt like I'd always lived a very, like, um, spontaneous life. I was going to say, yeah, like, footloose and fancy-free. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so then, like, there felt like there was more of a commitment of, like, okay, now you're married and you're moving to the suburbs, and, like, what next? And I know it's, like, this is this is everyone's logical progression yeah. in life is like, you have your fun and then you get married and you start a family. But then I I was just like, oh, but wait, <laughs> is that what we're doing? And I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. And so now I feel like it's just trying to live a very fun and
1: spontaneous life, but in a different environment. And do you think you'll stay here long term? Or like, do you have a set number in mind that you're like, we're giving it two years and then we're going to reevaluate or, you know, how are you approaching it? Yeah, giving it like some time. I've always
2: felt, you know, when we moved here, so he's from here, and when we were looking to leave New York, I was on the fence, but I also knew that if I never left New York, I would never leave New York. Yeah. You know? And even though there's the part of me that's still the New York lifer, I'm like, we had to leave, or at least I had to leave to give a sense of, like, how I feel about New York. Yes, yeah. Um. So I've – I, but I also don't want to – moving is hard no matter where you move, and it always takes a while to adjust yeah. to a new place. So I would hate to kind of just not give enough time here and then just leave because, you know, I was like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel like you – that was my New York experience. My first year in New York, I felt very overwhelmed and, like, I didn't yeah. know anyone and I didn't have any friends and – I just feel like you have to give places time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You do have to give it a chance. And I think as well, if you don't give it enough time and you go back, you're almost going back with this like major rose tinted glasses and it's never going to live up to how much better you think it is than the place that you didn't give the chance to. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think it's always hard to go back.
2: Absolutely. And I, you know, because I went back to New York recently and everyone kind of kept giving me the, oh, you're, you're going to, you're you know, you're never going to leave, like, you're probably going to stay, like, you're not going to get back on the plane. And, and I I felt like there was a part of me that felt that. But it's also different when you're visiting a place as a visitor. Yes. yes. Versus when you're living there, there were, you know, great reasons to leave New York. Um, We were living in a tiny one bedroom apartment. Yeah, you know, we had Two dogs and a cat and, you know, our version of our little, like, family. Yeah, yeah. I was like, it makes sense to start looking at, you know, more space. Yeah. And um, also
1: being near, like, I presume his family is here. Yeah, he has a family There's a lot here to be still. said for that. Um. Yeah. It was a nice coming here because it's like,
2: and we knew people. And I had come visit multiple times. So, you know, now we've been together for about 10 years. So it's like over the course of 10 years, I've come visit. And I've always really liked it. Either. Yeah.
1: So you, So you knew what to expect. It wasn't... Yeah. I mean, I suppose you never know what to expect. Right. Unless you live somewhere, but then you knew right? Again, where you were going, more or less. Being
2: a visitor somewhere versus, like, living somewhere.
1: But yeah, it does at least give you an idea of, like, oh, I think I could do this. Where
2: we had looked at other places before settling here, and we had to go visit them. And even as visitors, I was like, you know what? This isn't the vibe. I was like, I'm not interested. Like, we looked at Phoenix. Too hot. It's, like, 120 degrees every day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wild. But yeah, it was just... Because I also... Wanted, I was like, if we're leaving New York, I want to go somewhere warmer. So then we settled on Indiana.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was. As you said that, I was like, yeah. And then wait, wait a minute. What? Yeah, I know that was kind of. That's just why. Like we
2: looked at Phoenix, but then I was like, wait, maybe too hot. Maybe too hot.
1: Yeah, I think too hot. And I mean, I don't know the well. Well, the last winter that we had here, I feel like was really short. Yeah, like I agree. it didn't. There wasn't that much snow. Right. The winter before, there was a lot more snow and there were more days where you're like, okay, we're not really going anywhere today because it's super snowy. Like, I don't really like to drive in the snow. Yeah. Just because I'm not used to it, right? We might get two days of snow in Ireland per year and it oh, doesn't yeah. stick or it doesn't, you know. Right. Um, But but this year, just gone, I feel like we didn't really get much of that. And the summers are glorious. Yeah. But they're not like, because I feel like summer here is so different to summer in New York. Because summer in New York, you're like in a sweatbox. Oh, absolutely. With, Ten million other people in a sweatbox. Absolutely. Oh, it's so hot. It's so gross. I mean, I think there's something so magical about it,
2: but it is definitely disgusting. (laughs)
1: Magical and disgusting. It's like all good love stories.
2: Exactly. That is like how I would say my relationship to New York is. It's magical and disgusting.
1: (laughs) Stephanie, thank you so much yeah. for coming on to talk about your your quote-unquote journey. I know. I was like, did I give you enough relationship? <laughs> no, no. No, no. I, th- I, think, I think it was good. Okay. Like, you can't, I mean, you can't pump people for salacious gossip nonstop either. Right. Yeah. You know I mean, We're like, what well, when did you give your first blowjob? Right. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, where can people find you if you'd like them
2: to follow you online? You can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at sbonbon. And then same on TikTok. And then if people are
1: local to Fort Wayne, go to the Green Frog. Yeah, check out the Green Frog. Which is the bar that you run with your husband, Bryce. Exactly, yeah. Check it out. (laughs) Drag Brunch just started. Every Saturday.
2: We have karaoke every Friday night. Drag Brunch every Saturday afternoon. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for listening to Meet Cute. Please, if you do nothing else for anyone today, leave this podcast a five-star rating and review wherever you're listening to this. Follow me on Instagram at Rosemary McCabe. Buy my book, This Is Not About You, in most good bookshops and subscribe to my newsletter at rosemarymacabe.substack.com. And as always, links to everything will be in the show notes.